Welcome to another episode of the Personal Branding for Photographers podcast. My name is Maurice Jager and I'm a photographer, speaker and the author of the book Personal Branding for Photographers. This podcast is all about learning how to improve your personal brand as a photographer. Thank you for listening today and let's dive in. Welcome to this episode of the Personal Branding for Photographers podcast. And today we have Glenn Dewis. Glenn, how are you doing, mate? <laughs> I'm very good, mate. Very good. How are you? I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. It's, uh, yeah, it's always fun talking to you. So I'm good. <laughs> well, listen, I, I'm looking to my right-hand side where I'm sitting in my office and the sun is shining. And it hasn't done that for a little while. So, mate, that I'm, I'm good today. Very oh, good. wow. Yeah, we had sun all week, but now it's actually overcast. So I guess we switched places when it, came to, when it comes to the weather. <laughs> so, oh, so for those of you that have absolutely no idea who you are, like, can you just, uh, just introduce yourself and describe the kind of work that you create as a photographer? Yeah, uh, I kind of go under the, the umbrella of photographer, educator, and author. But I kind of started out in the industry as a retoucher, working day-to-day in Photoshop and then moved over into the photography side of things. And my, I guess my speciality, if you want to call it that, is is portraits. Uh, doing, I don't do weddings or anything like that, but I'm a portrait guy. But I also create quite a lot of content for YouTube and uh, educational videos showing how post-processing and the photography side of things is done. Oh, yes, and a few books as well. Got to mm. mention the books. Yeah, you got to mention <laughs> the books. I have a couple of them, actually, and I got the signed ones. So... That's pretty cool. Oh, well, they'll be worth less now on eBay, they will. Yeah, some, some, some dude scribbled in my book. It's like, <laughs> yeah, that's not going to help. <laughs> so, like, you've been, you, I think you're, like, you started with the retouching and then you did the YouTube videos and then you, like, developed your photography career through uh, loads of projects, right? Yeah, that's, um, yeah, I started out doing the, the actual Photoshop side of things and I've, I've kind of always been somebody that likes to be able to share what I do because it's, it is nice to share stuff anyway. But also, I've kind of found very early on that if I uh, kind of committed myself to sharing content, whether it be on a blog or on YouTube, it kind of forced me to go out and create content and find content. Because I think that can be one of the hardest things is that when you're kind of starting out, maybe, is to is to kind of find the stuff to work on. So if you kind of commit yourself to maybe one blog post a week or one YouTube video a week, it really does kind of kick that gray matter into gear. So you go out there and find stuff. But um, yeah, that's what I kind of started doing. And then projects is, is a huge thing that I've kind of taken advantage of over the years because when you're working with, you know, when you are working for clients, you tend to find that yourself, you, you know, you, you're doing what they want you to do. And it can, if you're not careful, that can kind of, it kind of it kind of limits your creativity because you're kind of doing what they want you to do, but if you kind of take on a project, that allows you to just just run away with things, and it kind of keeps you excited, keeps you learning, um, and also one of the hidden benefits of it is it helps you to find your style. But it just that and that just naturally happens by you going out there and constantly working on a project. So they played they've played a huge part, and they still do in, in what I'm doing. Yeah, and I gotta compliment you on the on the retouching videos. I was talking to a buddy of mine, uh, a Dutch photographer, Peter, and he he mentioned he actually mentioned you how you make uh, things in Photoshop look easy. So oh, it's, <laughs> that it was uh, pretty good to follow along. So it's uh, that's a little well, compliment that I want to cool. share. No, that's that's brilliant, and I, I'm I'm guessing that's maybe from the YouTube thing because I did I kind of I did YouTube a while ago, 
and then I took a break from it. But more recently, I've I've really kicked into YouTube. It, it just feels like the right time to be doing it. And I'm spending a lot more time now on things like thumbnails, descriptions, and also my style of presenting. Do you know what I mean? Because you know, a lot of, a lot of what I show on there is, is Photoshop stuff. And what I what I didn't want to do was just do videos where they literally start off and somebody goes. Hello, today I'm going to teach you how to do X, Y, Z. Let's get to it. Do you know what I mean? I didn't want to do that. I, want, I wanted to have fun with the video. So I, I, have a re, I honestly have a right laugh every week coming up with the intro, how I'm going to do the intro. And I'd, I'd like to think now, rather than being videos that are very much a, a typical kind of format, people would watch the videos and get a feel for me who I am. Do you know mm. what I mean? Because yeah. it is, it is, it is hopefully a very relaxed way of presenting. Yeah. And, and you, you you did a bunch of them live, right? Like every, what is it like Friday or like you did a, like a live edit or like a live, at least YouTube live. And that's right. Uh, I, I, and I really enjoyed doing them, mate, because it's great putting the videos out and you get comments coming in and stuff like that. But every now and again, to throw in a live one, especially over the last couple of years when we've not been able to, you know, be amongst everybody that it's kind of those live things that you can do on YouTube and other platforms has kind of brought people closer. Um, and you feel like you are part of an event. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I, I do. And it's kind of fun to have like the recordings or the, like the comments come in and you pretty much like produce the show as you go and a answer yeah. people's questions right from the get and all of that. Instead of like going into the comments and coming up with, Oh, this guy asked an interesting question. Let me do a video yeah. on that one. And just like, yes. it's all a little bit more after the fact and more produced. And I guess the, the level of spontaneousness in life is, uh, is more appealing to people as well. It is. I guess so, yeah, because people like, and I guess one, one part of it, and I've actually had people say this before, is that when you do something live, there's every chance that at some point during that live, you're going to make a little bit of a mistake. You know, we're only human. Mm -hmm. And I think people like to see that. Because otherwise, if they always, if they only ever watch pre-recorded videos of when you're showing how to do something, obviously, you know, when we record those, we, we edit them so that they look as if everything went perfect. And and although that's good on one side, on other sides, it can be a little bit, I don't know, sort of over, under, overwhelming for some people because they think, well, I can't do that. Yeah. Whereas when they see it live, you know, on be on a YouTube video or when they see live, like, you know, like you're going to be doing stuff at the professional imaging show. I've been on the stage. When they see you make the most mistakes, it makes it a bit more believable that they can do it. Yeah. Yeah. It's not so polished. Yeah. 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 And if you watch my stuff, you will see mistakes. That's guaranteed. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> on, on my stuff too. Like even these podcasts aren't perfect and these are pre-recorded. So <laughs> there's always something going on. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, with your body of photography work, like, what is the thing that you want to achieve with the work? Um, what when it comes, what's what topics I like to photograph, or what is it that I want to achieve? Is that what you mean? Or yeah, what do you like? When do you think you created a good shot, or like, like, what is the response mm. that you're going after when you share your work with like the subject, or like that the, that kind oh, of that, angle? That, that is a good question. That is that's a good question, and it varies now depending on what it is that I photograph. Because if you'd have asked me that question pre-COVID, which is when I was I was mainly only ever doing portraits, and if I didn't have a portrait to be taken, my camera and kit stayed in the bag. Whereas now, 
what's happened over the last couple of years is that I've kind of branched out to do other things. You know, I'm, I'm trying my hand at other photography and I'm really enjoying it. So the responses are going to be different because if it's a portrait, I want, I think the ultimate response, and I've had this, is when if I showed a portrait of somebody to somebody who knew that person and they went, oh, that is so them. You have, you have totally got them. That to me would be the ultimate compliment. Because the idea is, yes, you know, we love to get perfect lighting, composition, sharpness, and all those technical things, which is obviously really, really important. But I think all of those things are secondary to actually capturing, and it sounds cheesy, capturing the person. And the only way you can capture the person, as you know, is by getting the people to relax. And if somebody's relaxed in front of the camera, they are themselves. And so if somebody can say, oh, you've so captured them. That is that is exactly what I'm after. Um, so that's, I guess, how it would be with a, with a portrait. But when it comes to the other stuff that I'm doing, because I have ventured out into, and this isn't for anybody else's benefit, it's purely for mine doing this, because it's kept me active during times that we weren't able to get out and do portraits. But if I'm doing landscape or whatever, I just if I can look at the picture that I took and remember when I was there, I can remember the sounds, the smells, the mistakes, the panic, uh, the nearly breaking the filter, all that kind of stuff, then I'm happy. Do you know what I mean? I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm happy. I'm not going out with, to do landscape photography to get, to get other people to say, oh, that's amazing. Of course, that's great. But for me, it's just a case of I was able to get out and do that and just enjoy stuff and take in the environment, which maybe we took for granted. Mm -hmm. up until the last couple of years you know yeah yeah like everybody was doing the rat race and doing all yeah. the work and now everything came pretty much came to a standstill and you gotta mm -hmm. venture out into other things that don't yeah. involve a million people in the same in the same place exactly yeah. I, I think i'd have gone stir crazy mate if i if i hadn't done other stuff i would have gone stir crazy i, I i'm just one of these people and i'm guessing you're the same really because we're very similar in a lot of ways is that You've got to be you've got to be doing something. If I'm not if I haven't got my camera in my hand or I'm not being creative in some way, maybe every day or every other day, that isn't good for me. I've got I've got to be doing something, you know. But there are there are a lot of people that I say a lot of people. That's a sweeping statement. But there are quite a few people that I have pre-COVID were really active and we saw them doing stuff and sharing stuff, and then COVID came along and just didn't see or hear from them at all. And that's not good for them because clearly they weren't getting out and just trying other things. But also the people who maybe followed them and looked to them without them even realizing it as a, as a source of inspiration or whatever. When they see, when they notice that that person stops doing that, that's not good for them either. No. I think I think we've got a responsibility. If we're out there sharing content, we've got a we've got a responsibility not just for us but for other people who are now holding on to our coattails to try and learn and to be inspired. You know? Yeah. Yeah, and since we're back on the content, uh, you like you, you created content for I don't know Kelby One and uh, your YouTube channel, but I am guessing like Scott didn't call you one day and go like, "Hey, Glenn, can you record a video workshop for us?" Like there was obviously a build up. So how did mm -hmm. you um, became like the I don't know more or less like the household name for retouching in the videos? Like there's like something like you did things that kind of uh, got you to the point where you got the attention that you have today like can you talk us a little through what the process was yeah sure i, I think um 
listen, I did, I did nothing special. Believe me, I did absolutely nothing special. And when I kind of started out, I didn't, I didn't set off with the intention of getting some kind of a name in the industry. That was not my goal at all. It really, really wasn't. I just wanted to get out there and just create content and get better at what doing what I was doing. So like I said at the start, I was, I would commit myself to one blog post a week and maybe doing one video. Eventually, when I started doing the videos, I'd say, right, one a week. And I was just getting consistent. And I think that is part of the key. A big part of the key is being consistent. Now, also what I did back then was, you know, you, you have certain people in the industry that you look up to and you follow. And, you know, blogging back then, I think it's coming back around now, but it, certainly back then it was, a, it was a huge thing. So I would have my daily read of blogs. So every morning I'd have some kind, I forget what the app was now, but there was an app that would ingest all the uh recent posts that certain blogs had done so that you could watch read them all from one place yeah pretty much like so getting would, an rss feed in exactly yeah. exactly yeah and it kind of did it in like a news magazine a magazine kind of format it was a really cool app i don't know if it's still out there now but anyway i would i would read the blog posts but i think one thing that i did which which was was certainly did play a part in it i wouldn't just read the blog post if i enjoyed it or it or that blog post kind of prompted me to want to ask a question or respond to it i would so i would write in the comments you know either i like the post because this that and the other or or i'd give an opinion now i, I just did that and i didn't do that with the intention of the person who was writing the blog for example maybe someone like scott kelby or whatever just to respond to me i just i just thought it was a the right thing to do and then completely out of the blue i remember um scott kind of he used to have a thing that he called I think it was I think it was a Tuesday and it was something like inspiration Tuesday some something like that and I remember getting on in the morning doing my usual thing of looking to read the latest blog posts and there's an inspiration Tuesday from Scott Kelby and it's me and I'm like what the heck and I, I was like a, I was like a little excited kid at Christmas do you know what I mean I was like yeah. oh my god let me neck and it, it just out of the blue and he'd written this really nice stuff to say there's this guy here he was either blog reader, blah, blah, blah. But this is the links to the work he's doing. And it's really cool. And that was such a boost. I can't tell you how much of a boost that was for me. So that was that, that was how the relationship with Scott kind of started. But then when it came to, um, you know, progressing and then eventually them asking me to come in and do stuff for them over in the States and whatever, I just I distinctly remember where one of the places where we used to live, I was in a coffee shop and I'm just kind of going to the shop. So I'm one of these people, I like to go on people watch. So I'll, I'll leave my office, I'll take my laptop, I'll go to a coffee shop and sit down and just do do emails and stuff and just watch the world go by. I love doing that. Mm -hmm. um, and I was in the coffee shop and it was quite busy and my mobile phone rings and I look at it and it's an American code. I'm thinking, who the hell's that? So I answer the phone, I go, hello? And he goes, hi, is that Glenn? Uh, yeah. Hi, Glenn, it's Scott Kelby. And I'm like, uh, hello. <laughs> um, yeah. uh, and then he just says, listen, are you going to go to Photoshop World in America this year? I said, oh, yeah, yeah, I plan to go. Yeah, he said, oh, great. He said, would you do me a favor? And I said, yeah, of course. Well, yeah. He said, um, would you teach for us? And I honestly, mate, as, as true as I'm sitting here now, I went, ah, um, hold on a second. And I put the phone against my chest. Uh -huh. And I outwardly went, you'll have to bleep this out, but I went, effing hell. Like, oh my god! Then I composed myself and said, uh, "Yeah, that that that'd be great." Yeah, he said, "Oh, great! I'll get my assistant Jean to get all the details to you." But thanks, it'd be great to see you. I was like, "Wow!" And that was it. That's literally how it all kind of started. So, 
it's not down to it, obviously I'm going out there and creating the content which is why initially someone like Scott Kelby noticed me but I've got huge respect and thanks to that that person for elevating me up like he did so without him reaching out other things that I've got involved in stuff I've done around the world and, and books and all that kind of stuff potentially could never have happened had he not reached out wow mm. that's a cool story <laughs> <laughs> never had that phone call to be honest <laughs> so, maybe he's listening so uh, Scott give me your ring <laughs> well you know what I'm mean, joking aside mate you yeah. never know who's who's watching or who's who's looking and that, that goes back to what I said about these people that some people that kind of disappeared during the COVID times and they weren't producing content and sharing stuff and writing blog posts. They just seemed to disappear off the face of the earth. You don't know who's watching. You know, it, it might not be, you know, these kind of people that we look up to around the world who are huge in industry and want to sort of ask, ask us to do stuff for them. It might be somebody who's just starting out and, and they need you to be producing content, you know, what I mean? because you're helping just like, we would have looked at people, you know, if I, if I, when I was starting out, if the people I was following back then who, you know, I'm really grateful have become friends ever since, but you know, the, the Joel Grimes is the Scott Kelby's because my, my kind of work was very, all my life was very much America um, influence when I first started out because they were very open to share. Whereas the UK seemed to be very cloak and dagger, you know, and I can't, can't share that. Um, if they'd have if they'd have not shared when they did back then, mm -hmm. would I be sat here talking to you now? I don't know. I don't know either. And I I, I kind of mm. understand the cloak and dagger thing because I've noticed that in the past as well. Like all the photographer and you have all these forums and stuff, and everybody was excuse me bitching at uh, other people's work and just commenting all negatively and then you had this whole mm. thing like everybody with an iphone is a photographer these like all of that stuff and it's like i think that kind of shifted into uh, let me share what i'm doing and i don't mind if somebody else kind of i don't know steals my routine or like picks something mm. up from me i think that kind of changed over the years and i think that's mm. a positive trend to be honest like yeah, like I I don't mind talking about my work or how I built my business or any of that. Like, just uh, I've been doing it. If you're asking me for advice, I've been doing it longer probably than you have. So why should I be insecure and be afraid that somebody's going to take over? Like, I don't. Yeah, exactly, see that exactly. Kinda. Yeah. So if anything, when somebody's you know by you sharing stuff, it actually kind of makes it unknowingly it makes you want to improve anyway because as, as you're sharing stuff you want to share be able to share more stuff so you want to learn more and get better to be able to share more it's kind of it's kind of a weird thing and also I've, I've always had the opinion that when you do get the people that you know we all see it and we'll all experience it is when you do get the you'll get the people who might make the nice comments and then they get the people who kind of make comments that are a little bit whoa that's a little bit extreme and it can be, it, and it can get to you. I, I'm 100% convinced that the people who are writing that kind of stuff, they feel threatened anyway. That, that, that's why they do it. They feel threatened by what you're doing and the potential, the success that you're now starting to have. Yeah. Because, I mean, I, I went through a phase. You can't help it affecting you when somebody writes a really bad comment. You know, we're only human. But I know now, I mean, YouTube, I love YouTube, but it is the worst place 
maybe second to Twitter. Actually, <laughs> um, it's probably the, it's one of the, one of the worst places you can get for some real troll comments. And I can honestly say, hand on heart, every time I've had quite a hard comment, I will click on that person's profile and look at it. They've either got no content or it's questionable. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's kind of like, okay, now I feel good because <laughs> I know where you're coming from. You clearly feel threatened. You, you clearly feel threatened. There's a guy, I don't know if you know him, maybe not because he's a landscape guy, but he's a UK-based photographer, landscape photographer, a fantastic photographer, completely, um, you know, such a humble, great guy. And he's, he's got a huge uh, YouTube channel, a guy called Thomas Heaton. Um, and I remember Thomas sort of saying that when he started his YouTube, he was getting loads and loads, nothing but positive comments. When he then hit a certain level on YouTube, then all of a sudden negative stomach comments started to come in. Not, not all the time, but then the occasional one started to appear. And he said it was really interesting that until he reached a certain point of what you would call success on YouTube, that never happened. After that, then it started to happen. And he said, yeah, I think I know why that is. Yeah. Yeah. And so. I think, I think also like, it's a, like, it, it's a, it mirrors the like society, if you will. Like if you have like a million people on your YouTube channel, the odds are there's going to be a couple of negative or crazies or whatever mm. showing up. Yeah. If, if you have a hundred, then you have like a, I don't know, a little pack of people that follow you and they follow mm -hmm. you for a reason. And if popularity hits, then you attract other crowds as well and that's right so you get a little bit more of that too i guess it's a numbers game in the end as well mm -hmm. so yeah definitely so like the with scott you like the, back in the photoshop world was probably like when you were doing all the photoshop and the retouching mm -hmm. and i don't know pho photographing thingies to put on uh, <laughs> yeah, that's and, right, yeah. and stuff yeah, and yeah. The, and then like recently or like i, I think like pre-covid you did the uh, 1940-45 project yeah, so that's right. Can you talk us a, a little bit through that process of photography yeah, because I, you had a particular style with the shots and yeah. like uh, you were shooting all these like old veterans and which was which was pretty cool and you got a lot of attention with that project. Yeah, again that that kind of just took off. But yeah, I was doing all the all the Photoshop stuff as you mentioned. You know that's kind of what I was known for. But when my first book was published, I kind of drew a line in the sand. Then that I didn't want to just be the the photoshop guy i didn't want to be i wanted to kind of have longevity in this in this industry so that meant picking up a camera and 945 veterans project again project do you know what i mean it's is my life in this whole industry has been dominated by projects it's been so so important but the veterans project started in blimey early 2019 i guess yeah early 2019 And that was just my, that was just a project that I came up that married together things that I love. I've got, I've always had a, a fascination in the history of the events around World War II. Um, I love Photoshop, love photography. It was just a marriage in heaven, putting all those things, three things together. And the idea was to um, photograph World War II veterans to be able to give them a timeless classic portrait as a way of saying thank you as we do every year on Remembrance Day and whatever. But this was my way of doing it as a photographer. Um, and again, it wasn't done with the intention of getting in the spotlight or anything. But because I committed myself to doing it, and I also, what I said I would do, I actually did. And what I mean by that is 
I would give the veterans a classic portrait. You know, I'd go and do it, be respectful, spend time with them, but then go back and deliver to them a portrait printed on fine art paper in a mount so it felt really special. So, you know, you, if you do something good for a veteran's family, veteran's families, no other veteran's families, and it just grew and grew and grew and grew and started to get a lot of attention from a lot of the big charities. Um, and then I think out of the blue, there's a lady involved in the uh, glider pilots um, regiment society you know the guys that landed in those engineless aircrafts and she was kind of had a connection at bbc they were looking for some pictures and so they said could they have come up some of the pictures that i'd taken of some glider pilots and that was it so i that, that kind of took off from there that started then to get put something on the news and one of my pictures was on the news and then eventually we had the first exhibition because I always said, we'll have an exhibition. It'll be your day, the Veterans Day. It's not my day. It'll be a real special day. We'll treat you really good. And that happened. And then before I knew it, the BBC wanted to be there. The local newspapers wanted to be there. And it just kind of grew and grew and grew. So I th I'm, it's, it's still going now. Obviously, for the last couple of years, we've had to put a hold on it because it hasn't been safe. We've not been able to take pictures. But I am now slowly getting back into it, um, taking veterans' pictures. Um but that, that, again, that just grew. And that's kind of, what, what I love about that is, and I guess this is the whole project thing as well, uh, Maurice, is the fact that when you, do, when you do a project, I kind of go off on tangents, as you know. Mm -hmm. when, when you do a project, you get known for that project. So, and that's really important, I think, as a photographer or as, just as a, a creative in general, because ordinarily, before I was doing projects and the projects became known, people would say to me, what do you do? I say, I'm a photographer. Oh, what kind of pictures do you take? Oh, I take portraits. Oh, what kind of portraits do you take? And it was like a conveyor belt of questions every time. Whereas what I find now is, because it has spread quite well, you don't, I don't get that. You, you, you don't get it as often, rather. You get known as, oh, you're the guy doing the veterans project. And because they know the project that you're doing, they kind of know the quality of what you do. And then that can lead on to other work. Because you've almost got this kind of track record of creating something that is recognisable and quality, and it's and it's, it's got you know it's got known. You don't, it, that's almost like your that almost qualifies you to get more work. Do you know what I mean? It's, yeah. uh, projects are so so important. It's not just a case of doing a project because it keeps you busy, keeps you learning, and what have you, which is massively important. But it also develops your style, and when a project it gets bigger and bigger that's what you get known for so you're you're automatically getting known for quality a style consistency all those things which potential clients want to know that if they hire you they're going to get your mm -hmm. project does all the talking for you yeah <laughs> so through your projects is since this is the personal branding podcast like the projects are uh, your the brand that you built is actually based off the project's that you did without actually leveraging the projects to build your brand, I guess. Absolutely. It just yeah. came natural yeah, so, as a side effect. Absolutely. Yeah. So I've not had to think about, I've never, I've never given a thought of how can I push myself out there? What kind of, what logo do I need? What this, what that, whatever. I've just gone out there and done the project and the project's done the work for me. Okay. That's cool. That's one way to approach it. <laughs> like a lot of people think about all these different things. Like, okay, what kind of font? What kind of logo? What kind of, mm. what's, what's my story, my background? I don't know, all of that. And you just create a volume of work in a project base and 
colour today, pretty I, much. I, I find all that all that stress, and I did it at the start because I remember, you know, thinking about logos and what colour's good for me and blah blah blah. I found that that was a headache. It really was a headache, and I and I've got an I've got to play to my strengths. I am not a designer. You know, there are people who are just naturally that way, and you know, my mate Dave. Dave, he just. I can give Dave an idea and he'll just come up with so many different logos or color schemes or whatever for that. You think, how the hell did you come up with that? I can't do that. So I've, you know, the times that I could be sitting here now racking my brains, trying to think of a logo or whatever, I could be doing some other stuff that I'm good at. I, I would rather give the creative stuff that I'm not good at to somebody else who is good at it because I can use my time better. Yeah. And you put him on a cover of a million Photography magazines. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, yeah and he, he wasn't complaining. <laughs> <laughs> no, right? <laughs> that is still a cool shot. That's been a minute since that shot was taken. I think that was for it's your first years. book, right? Yeah, ten years since that editor picture. We, we are talking about doing a revisiting it and doing like a ten-year anniversary picture. And how would you know? Rather than a cigar, would he be having a vape or something <laughs> like that? Do you know what I mean? There's all kinds of things that we're thinking of for doing a, a remake. Yeah, <laughs> that would be actually be cool. And let's see if we can, if you can get it on all the same magazines because <laughs> well, it's yeah, been on a bunch, know. right? Yeah, it did do. Yeah, it was. Um, yeah, it did. I remember we were coming back from Germany. I think we'd been at Photokina doing something, and uh, we're at the airport. And Dave trundled off to go and get a coffee for us, and he's come back minus the coffee, but with a copy of a magazine, and he's gone. I'm in a magazine, look. I'm on the front of a magazine. It's like, oh, my God, look at the picture. And I didn't have a clue that it was going to be on there. I think it was, oh, what magazine was it? Pictures, maybe? I can't remember now. But it was, yeah, it was on the front of uh, front of one of the magazines. But it's been on a few, yeah. Yeah, yeah. There's, there, there was one here in the Netherlands that had the, the image, too. I, I maybe even still have that magazine. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't buy magazines anymore. But back in the day, I... Uh, I think I bought a couple or like had a subscription yeah. or some stuff like that. Uh, at some point, I just stopped buying the magazines because it was a lot of mm. like gear reviews and stuff like that and advertising. Yeah. I was like, yeah, I yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't need to know what the next Canon or Nikon or Lumix or whatever camera is going to be. And mm. uh, I got my kit and I'm not really concerned about getting a new 24 to whatever. And it's like, I'm good. I'll yeah, take my yeah, content yeah. elsewhere now. Yeah. It's uh, it's definitely been inspiring to like as a starting photographer, you got to start somewhere, and usually it's more it's the gear and like how to figure out how to actually use the the gear mm-hmm. that you have, and like figuring out all the buttons and coming up with a style, and you know all of those uh, interesting style things. Style is the thing, isn't it? Style is the is the the biggest thing that is out there of you know what people ultimately want because we don't we don't want to go and spend a lot of money on kit and invest a lot of time for our pictures to be look like everybody else's. Yeah. So style is style is really one of those things that we go looking for. And I, and, and I do always say that you can't, you can't force a style. You can't say, oh, my style is going to be X, Y, Z. You have no idea what your style is going to be. The style will eventually show itself if you're out there being consistent. And, you know, and if, but again, another thing about it is that if you're being consistent is one thing. But I also think being consistent in your in your setup and the kit you use, you need to keep using the same kind of stuff. Otherwise, you're not going to give your style time to develop. So, like, if you're, I know, I know that when I kind of first started out, I'd be having like I'd do a photo shoot one week and I'd use one light, and then the following week I think, well, I did one light last week. I can't be doing the same all the time. I'll do two lights this week, 
and it would chop and change constantly. And if you're doing that, I don't think you're ever going to give your style a chance to develop. Where I think if you just say, right, I am going to now spend the next four weeks only using this 55 mil prime lens or whatever, and I'm going to use this one light. That's all I'm going to use. And just get out there and do as much as you can. If you do a project and it's portraits, do 20 portraits at least. And then eventually, without you even knowing it, your style will develop. But if you, if you keep chopping and changing, you ain't going to give it a chance. Yeah, and like the the veterans product, I think you shot with one light and an octa, mm -hmm. and that's it. And then like you get the shot, and then you take it into Lightroom or Photoshop, and then you create that I don't know look, if you will, where it's yeah, uh, like it has yeah, a very a, particular look to it. It does, yeah. Because I did before I before I started it, I kind of made my I made an idea of how I wanted the pictures to look. So I did a lot of research on. Um, Google and Pinterest and what have you for pictures from the 40s and the 50s to get an idea for how did they pose them, what was the lighting like, um, what was the background like, what was the colouring like, those that weren't in black and white, what what kind of colour grade did they have? Um, and that's, the kind of, that's how I kind of came up with it. Uh, and then I spent a bit of time trying to recreate the look of some of the pictures that I'd seen from people like Yusuf Karsh, maybe, or Annie Leibovitz. And then by me trying to replicate the look of their pictures in the post-production, it made me go off on my own tangent because that was my own taste. And I came up with the look that I wanted. So then that's what I applied. And I kind of got the retouching down for those um, veterans pictures. Now, you know, if I, if I input them to my computer, I could probably retouch them now in about each one, under 10 minutes now because I know the steps that I want and a lot of the steps that I want is, is basically adding that color grade to it that's that's the majority of the retouching side of things everything else because it's kept so so simple is captured at the time the photograph's taken which makes life so much easier when you bring it into the computer then but yeah that's that's how I kind of came up with the idea for it you know the look of the final pictures yeah and like do you Did you create an action or like uh, a style in the in Lightroom or Photoshop to like replicate it, or are you that? Good I, I guess I, I <laughs> just like I guess I could have um, part of the, the steps. I could have maybe created an action, but I'm not a huge fan of actions um, because and let's. I mean, really, to be honest with you, a lot of the steps involved there weren't that many steps involved in them. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Each yeah. So it would be very, for me, you know, for me to go to the actions panel, find the action, click on it and apply it, it's probably going to save me a couple of seconds, really. Yeah. So if, if it had been like a really prolonged, if it had been things like um, frequency separation or kind of uh, a skin smoothing technique, which I've never used with any of the veterans' pictures, then yeah. I would have turned to an action because having to keep doing those steps every time would have been a bit tedious. But when it comes to the color grading with each of the pictures, because each of the environments you're in was slightly different yeah. for me to make sure that each of the pictures looked consistent from portrait to portrait, I'd have to tweak it a little bit. Mm -hmm. And if I just relied on an action, you would have seen differences. You yeah. Know? Yeah. I use an action for my headshot work because It's the same lighting. It's the same studio. It's yeah. super easy. And I do a little frequency separation and dodging and burning and, I don't know, some eye sharpening, I guess. And, like, I, bu I, uh, I built, like, I don't know, six layers, and I just uh, pencil in what I need with uh, an adjustment uh, brush, pretty much. So, 
that makes life easy. Like I retouch my yeah. headshots in under 10 minutes too. So it's like perfect. Yeah. Super. That's quick. And I don't want to remember all these steps because the consistency for me is important too, but yeah. I'm not smart enough to remember all the steps. So I just work through the layers upwards. So it's, uh, <laughs> that's the kind of way that I make my life easier. <laughs> Mate, sometimes I've had to refer to my own books to look up how I do something. Oh, wow. That's bad. How bad is that? <laughs> <laughs> I have a humongous list of YouTube videos that I, uh, I don't know, like put into like a playlist, I guess. So it's yeah. like, oh, how do I, how was that done again? And then I got to, like, I, I'm going to spend an hour like trying to find it because like mm. even like the search terms aren't helping me out. It's like, oh my God, like I got to. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, there's so much information out there that's <laughs> like, and then you watch like four different videos on the same topic. It's like, nah, that wasn't the one. <laughs> it's, yeah. oh, it drives me God. crazy. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> so um, when you started out, like you, um, and where you are today, like obviously you, there were a bunch of lessons that were t that you had to learn. Uh, not just technical and all uh, and business, but like, what would be the most valuable besides creating the content? The most valuable lesson I've learned is besides creating the content. Um, I guess, I guess I kind of mentioned it already in a way. Was that to to be humble? Well, I don't know if it's a lesson, but it's just something that I know to do, and that's to be humble that I can't do everything. Um, and if there's stuff that I need doing, maybe somebody else doing it, that it's their specialities to hand it over to them, which then allows me to continue doing what I should be doing. Um, so I guess that's one of the biggest, biggest lessons. Um, being consistent is another thing I've mentioned that already, but I don't know about actual lessons. I know that I know what software to use for my in accounting. Now that's really important. <laughs> nice and simple accounting software. That's, that's been a huge help. Um, But yeah, I, difficult to say really. I, I can't really think of a lesson. The, the, my, the big part of what I do is creating content. Uh -huh. So by me creating content, that, that's how my business grows, you know? Yeah. Um, the, 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 what goes on, the mechanics of everything that goes on behind the scenes is actually really quite simple. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't, I don't run a business where I have to go, I'm, I guess I'm fortunate in a way that I don't have to go out looking for clients. That's not that's not part of my business. I, I've never ever done any advertising ever. Um, so yeah, that's I guess that kind of makes it a little bit different for me, really. Yeah, I did advertising once, and it was a total bum. And mm. I'm uh, uh, I, I'm in the fortunate position that people just call me or like book through my website as well. So it's, perfect. I'm not yeah. I'm, I'm not out there like go stand on a square, yell at people to get their pictures taken or whatever, like, or yeah, run yeah. Facebook ads or any yeah. of it actually. So it's, uh, I did, um, my, I guess one of the, one of the big changes I made in the last, if I say within the last two years, I would say big changes that have, that have felt as though they've freed me up. Uh, and so that I can get out and do and do more of what I should be doing. And that's, um, the, the website, Whereas before I would have um, a website that was WordPress based and it had a theme and I would update it and do this, that and the other. I know that I am not somebody who understands computer, what goes on in a computer behind the scenes. Give me the software, I'll run with it. But all the other stuff that goes on into making the computer work, forget it. And I found that I had always having issues with WordPress. So I thought I just bit the bullet 
and I went for Squarespace. And this isn't an advert for Squarespace, but for me, it is incredibly fit for purpose. It does exactly what I want a website to do. All the stress and worry of anything going wrong, I don't have anymore. They do it all. It's just fantastic. And it was so easy for me to set up. And I love how the website works. It looks great on a computer, on a tablet, on a phone. So that was one of the things. Another thing that I changed, which again has made life better for me when it comes to business, but also it's made the experience for the end user, the people who purchase my courses, it's made things so much better for them. The experience of having the course and the experience of actually going through it all, it's, it's so much better. So I, what I used to do was I had a store on my site. I'd record courses, upload the courses, and people would purchase them and download them. They'd have the videos, and away you go. There were always challenges with that sometimes when people purchased a course. Maybe the link wouldn't come to them immediately, People wanted it, you know, once they press that buy now button, they want it in their inbox now. And if it was slightly delayed, sometimes that would cause a few problems. So I stopped that completely and I went to a new platform, which is Teachable, called Teachable. And I absolutely love it. It is just brilliant. The way you can set up a course, it's all laid out great. It's, it's just a great experience. You can put... Um, uh, you, you can update it really easily when people watch a video they can download it or stream it they, when they go back in it picks up where they start where they left off you can put in questionnaires qu- quizzes throughout it certificates answer questions it's just perfect it's absolutely perfect and even better because obviously it's a worldwide audience we have that VAT issue when it's all coming in different VAT rates from all over the world yeah I don't have to deal with any of that now. Teachable do it at source. So again, it's something else that's kind of freed me up and taken a stress out of my head to allow me to just get on and do what I should be doing, which is creating content. Yeah, like the VAT is a pain in the neck. Like there's like 25 different rates in Europe alone. Like it's crazy. And so the lesson pretty much is like um, to be able to focus on your creativity, make sure all the other moving parts are set up and working in an efficient way yeah and you get and those parts are taken control of by the people who know what they're doing with those rather than you trying to save money doing it yourself because ultimately it'll cost you more yeah yeah your time is valuable as well Mm. probably the most valuable asset is time so Mm. not wasted on stuff like that so um in your opinion what is the key for you to Call yourself successful. Um, to still be able to do what I'm doing. There's a, there's a whole load of ways I could kind of sum it up, but to still be able to do what I'm doing, make a living from it, and to be enjoying it. There's never a moment when I'm like, oh, you know, to not. Well, I mean, in fact, I was doing a Skype, I don't know, a Skype, a Zoom last night with some friends of mine. Um, and not, you know, they're not photographers, but they do photography, but their full time profession is, is other things. And one of them in particular was like, oh, I've got work tomorrow. Oh, Monday morning. I don't have that. And that to me feels great that I'm able to do what I love doing. And there's never a, there's never a moment of dread. You know what I mean? It's, it's, that's what's nice. And it's, that's one way I would, kind of, I would kind of measure success, if you like. Mm-hmm. But another way is that I still, I genuinely still get a complete and utter thrill when you give somebody a picture that they absolutely love, if it's a portrait or maybe somebody even ordered a landscape, which I'm starting to get now, I 
it's just I'm probably more excited now than when I first started off. So if I can be excited as as I am and still thoroughly enjoying it as I am, I think that's success. It is. It is. I love my job too. <laughs> mm. I'm glad that uh, it has some variety, like my photography, recording a podcast, coming up with course content. I don't know, like there's a million different moving parts, but all of those things together kind of never make it a dull day. And mm. when the shooting is down with the COVID, I focus my attention to one of the other, I don't know, streams of income, I guess, or projects mm. that I'm doing. So mm. like, I kind of like that variety myself. Like, and you know, it's, it's interesting what you say there. Again, I go off on tangents, Morris. Mm -hmm. um, I, it's interesting what you say there about you mentioned streams of income. I think um, I think maybe the last couple of years has I'm hoping has made a lot of people realise that they can't rely on one one source of income. You know what I mean? There's you know the, the age that we're in now with it all being very much computer based and internet and all that kind of stuff. There are so many things that we can do now that can help us to generate a residual income so rather than doing the work once getting paid looking for more work getting paid to be able to do the work and continue to get paid that is what i think people need to focus on for that feeling of security for the future for definite yeah i'm with you on that one mm. like during a lockdown like there's no photography so you need to have something else mm. or have a huge bank account and not care but i guess mm -hmm. that's not for all of us <laughs> that's not for all of us no and i just dread to think what how some people have uh, have managed to survive the last couple of years is just incredible really because can you imagine if just before all these things happened this lockdown and not being able to get out and do portraits and and have that interaction with people can you imagine if you'd either just taken on a new mortgage or you'd just taken on a new car loan or something like that And then all of a sudden, you can't get out and do the work. And that, that you going out to get paid, going out to get paid is how you make a living. How on earth have people coped with that? Yeah, I can't imagine. I really can't imagine. Just unbelievable stress, especially if you've got dependents as well. You know, you've got a partner, you've got kids, and oh, I can't imagine. So my hat off to them. If they've got through it this last two years, then anything being thrown at them in the future, they will get through it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it sounds horrific to me. Like, I can't imagine being in that spot and having all that stress. Um, yeah. So, um, what are you planning for the next, for the upcoming years? Like, do you have new projects that you want to work on or new, I don't know, new courses? Are you writing in a book? Like, what's on the horizon? There's a, there's a few things uh, going on this year, actually. There's um, courses, yes. I've been putting a lot of work over the last probably a year now, working on a printing course. So I've, I, I love printing. Actually, you know, that is where, as my friend Katrina Eisman says, you know, the truth is revealed when the ink hits the paper. Um, and I just love printing. So I've been working on a printing course. It's not just for people who want to print themselves at home on their own printer, but also how can people ensure they get the best print when they send it off to a lab? What does the lab need? What common problems do the labs have? So there's that. And also paper type. So it's, a, it's an all-encompassing big course, which I'm hoping I shall have finished and out at some point in April. So there's that. Um, I'm dedicating my goal this year was to dedicate my time to YouTube. So I'm going to put a, a lot more effort into YouTube, as I have been over the last few months, to see what growth can I experience on YouTube this year 
if I if I really do kind of drum down and just really work out how I want my videos to be. And the growth so far this year is I'm really happy with it. So my original goal that I wanted for December has already been surpassed. So I'm having to make a new goal for the end of the year. So that's great. Um, and then a book. There is a book going to be coming out. It was originally thought of going to be one that was an official published with a publisher. But now it's going to be one that I'm actually going to self-publish. Um, and this is it's actually to do with the Veterans Project. Because I do find I get asked a lot if there are, you know, is this is there going to be a book for this? Can we buy it? Whatever. So I'm, gonna, I'm making a book up. In fact, I've got a meeting to speak with Dave online about this, Dave Platon, because he's going to be designing the cover and the layout. Um, and it's going to be a book of the veterans' portraits, like a coffee table style book with the nice big pictures of the port of the veterans on one side. On the other side, a nice clean white page with a little bit of wording to say who they are and what they served in. And as you get halfway through the book, it'll then change into a educational book to show, look, this is how the portraits were done, all the photography, and this is how the pictures were retouched, all that as well. And then this is how else I did things like this is how the things were uh, mounted to give to the veteran. This is how um, I organized an exhibition. This is how the exhibition was put together. This is where we got the merchandise from and all those kind of things that people could maybe learn from saying, you know what, I want to, I want to, I'd love to have my own exhibition, maybe in the local village hall. How would I go about it? How can I get some stuff printed and blah, 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 blah. So that's what that book's going to be as well. So those, those are the three main things, I guess, that I'm working on that I can think of off the top of my head this year. Cool. And that sounds like a cool book, like how you run a project, the result, like all the things on the back end. So mm -hmm. that would be interesting. Yeah. In that. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, Um, we haven't really touched the social media thing. So okay. um, what is your favorite platform? These Because you're not a like a vivid, like I got to post every day kind of guy. And like, I don't know, yeah, we have the yeah. Facebooks. We, we, we just mentioned Twitter, like in conversation. Like, where do you spend the majority of, like, what do you, where, what platform do you enjoy most? That's probably the best question. Um, the platforms, that the, the, the platforms I enjoy most are... And maybe there, maybe there are a couple of others that I should embrace because that's what everybody's doing now. But I'm not somebody who just jumped from there to there to there. YouTube is my number one um, social media platform because I'm also using the community section within YouTube for doing posts on there. And that's nice for engagement. I'm really enjoying that. So that's number one. And then I guess level pegging, if you like, for the second place is going to be um, Instagram. And Facebook, that that is where my main ones are. I, I am on YouTube, but I don't really post that often on YouTube. TikTok is maybe something that I would kind of pick up on, but I don't, I don't know. I don't want to be seen to be jumping onto this one. Now I'm on this one. Now I'm on this one. And people say, yeah, but the, the growth on TikTok is incredible. Yeah, but the growth I'm getting at the moment, I'm quite happy with. I'm not, I'm, you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's nice. It's, I don't want to be doing at the moment, at the time of recording this, I don't want to be going out recording loads and loads of shorts, videos, and all that kind of stuff as well. It's Otherwise, I think if I do too much, it's going to water down the quality of what I do elsewhere. You know, I, if I'm kind of thinking, you know, my, my focus this week at the moment is for the video I'm creating that will go out on Thursday, my YouTube channel. But if I'm also thinking, oh, I've got to create this, I've got to create that video on that, that's got to be in the vertical 9 by 16 format, blah, blah. It'll make me rush the one I've got for Thursday. 
and I'm finding that by me concentrating properly on YouTube, the growth is happening. Yeah, yeah, just by, by me dedicating to it, you know. So you're just picking a team pretty much and sticking with it, and not like diluting yeah. it like all over. Like I don't, e- I I have a TikTok account, like I registered, I don't know, a year and a half ago, and I don't even have the app on my phone. I just wanted to like register the account, and yeah, I spent like I don't know an hour watching, I don't know kids doing dance moves and i was like yeah i'm good and then i just like got rid of it and it's like maybe at some point but i'll just majority stick to my instagram and linkedin for me is big because of mm. the body of work i create and there's, there's definitely a place for the, the short videos absolutely there is and the ones i've posted which aren't to do with um uh, photoshop because I, I do obviously more more than photoshop there's all the different kind of tutorials that i'm doing little videos and stuff on, on the youtube channel but there is definitely a place for it, and I probably would do more of those eventually. But at the moment, I mean, I'm seeing some people I know that are doing short videos in the 9x16 format, showing Photoshop tutorials. It's like, what? I mean, you know, because of the format, the, the, it's kind of zooming across the screen. You, 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 you show, do this, do that, move over there, do this. It's like, no, it, I, don't, I don't think it works really well for Photoshop tutorials. I think, you know, th- there's lots of stuff I could do on a 9x16 format on TikTok and stuff, but I don't, I don't think it's for me yet. I, I'm, I, want to, I want to push YouTube. I really do, because I think there's more to be had there, and the people behind the scenes at YouTube are really pushing the community side of it. Um, and, I, and it's great engagement on there. It yeah. really is. Yeah. So, like, you, your videos come out once a week? or like what's... Yeah, I, I go for uh, every Thursday, 3 o'clock, is when the new video gets released. Okay. And that's also, like, when you post on social, or do you post more often, or...? I, I do. I will. I will post. You'll always see me posting once a day. There might be occasion when I don't post, but I'm very much one of these people that kind of like if you've got nothing to say, don't bother saying it. It's all right. You don't have to. Do you know what I mean? You don't have to post if there's nothing to post. Don't worry about it. Um, whereas I knew before there was a guy that I used to do quite a bit of work with that would say that he sets a thing of doing. He must do nine posts on social media a day. Wow! How can how can you how can you say that? Do you know I mean you don't you don't? I honestly don't think you you don't need to do that. No, no. I'm... If you if you've got nothing to say, don't just say something for the sake of it. You know, and you can tell that because you'll see sometimes people posting maybe on Facebook and they'll put, "Hey everybody, what are you doing today?" It's like really, <laughs> do you know what I mean? And they've probably done that because they've got, oh, I haven't posted today. I need to post something, or they'll say. Your favorite color, what is it? Go. It's like, no, that's desperate to just do a post. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Just don't bother doing it. You don't need to do that. No. Like, I, social media should be sociable, not not tedious. No, that's <laughs> right. And like I do, I do post daily, I think. Uh, but I have, a, I have a scheduler, so I just sit my ass down every, I don't know, couple of weeks and spend like four hours and write stuff about the pictures I took and then well then that's perfect yeah yeah Uh, because I don't want to think about it all the time every day like social media does not run my life so I'll just like take a half day or whatever and just like go hammer through it and call Mm -hmm. it a day for a month and just and then maybe see the comments come in and respond or like I don't know reach out to a couple of people that sent me a message but that's about the gist of it I don't want to be that individual that 
goes like the person that you just mentioned like oh shit i haven't posted today and like let's mm. do let's do a inspirational tuesday nonsense quote about how that, that's the, the wrong Lama approach to and, it isn't it like that's the wrong approach it really is it's just you see if it's not if you're not enjoying it then don't do it yeah and you know if it's because if it's become a task and it's tedious task that oh i must do this then don't do it it's like you know I, i will post most days but it's because i've got something to post i might i might just take a picture with my phone or it might be something i'm doing with my drone or or whatever but if 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 there's a day in the week when i've just got oh i haven't posted today i won't stress about it it doesn't matter you know people people aren't going to go oh my god glenn hasn't posted today it'd be okay and this, because this is what's funny sometimes you'll see people post on you know whatever platform saying hi guys sorry i haven't posted for a week but i've been doing this out and the other and you know i could read that sometimes i go i hadn't even noticed i hadn't noticed you hadn't posted sorry <laughs> yeah so don't apologize it's all right it's okay you know what i mean yeah and I, i don't even call all my 20 friends every day that i'm still alive like they expect me to be living <laughs> yeah. and they know where i live yeah. so like yeah it's kind of weird that you that people feel the need to like okay i got 20,000 followers let me let everybody know that i'm fine and it's like yeah that i'm still a breeding human being it's kind of yeah. i don't know it's redundant <laughs> in a way <laughs> so it's the wrong approach yeah like you like do you when you post like and you, your videos obviously have a lot of like how to's but do you share do you like sharing the story behind an image or are you more about the technical parts or a combination it, it, it'll, of both it'll, a combination i'd say really um I like to keep my videos on YouTube fairly short, so they're always going to be around about the maybe the eight ten minute mark is what I aim for. They might go slightly over sometimes, but I don't want them to be like a prolonged thing. Mm -hmm. um, so, and I kind of just yeah, I, I, I don't um, I don't want to say right. I only do videos on how to, and that's because that's not the case. It's, yeah. it's sometimes I'll just throw other stuff out there because it's my channel. You know, what I mean, I'm not going to be thinking, oh no, people won't like that. Well, some some will, some won't. You can't please everybody. But it's my channel. Just like Peter McKinnon says, look, I'm going to do some stuff. I remember last year, at the end of the year, he said, right, this year you're going to see some different stuff from me. Some of it's going to be a bit odd, but it doesn't matter. It's my channel. I'll post it. Doesn't doesn't matter, you know? Yeah. Uh, and that's kind of the approach that I've got with it as well. But you obviously know the stuff that would be popular. Um, so you can kind of temper how much of that you'll share. But to be able to share whatever you want on your own channel, that's fine. Yeah, like Peter McKinnon did a lot of like Premiere Pro tutorial things. And then at some point mm -hmm. he did like, I don't know, five minutes of B-roll of him making coffee. And it's like, exactly, one yeah, has nothing yeah. to do with the other, but still, have, yeah. still the majority of people liked it. So Yeah, that's right. Some, some, some will like it, some won't. That's yeah. just, that's the way life is. Cool. So on that bombshell, <laughs> <laughs> what is the best way for people to find you online? Like your website, you've you got a newsletter, you, got, you mentioned to YouTube a bunch of things. Time so yeah, I, I kept things really simple. Again, not 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 wasting too much headspace trying to come up with a clever name. Mm -hmm. um, you'll find me everywhere, just under my name, Glyn Dewis, G L Y N D E W I S, and that's on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, you name it. That's where you'll find it. Cool. Thank you so much for this conversation, Glenn. Not at all, mate. It's been great. And that's it for today. But before we part ways, let me invite you to my personal branding for photographers community on Facebook. The group has already around 700 photographers who want to learn everything about improving their personal brand. Make sure to add yourself by going to mauriciejager.com forward slash Facebook or subscribe to my podcast on your preferred platform. Thank you for listening. 
and I'll see you on Facebook or you'll hear from me in the next episode. Enjoy your day. Talk soon. Bye.